0: 6 through 15. We just finished up 1 John, where we've been um, going through for a while. And I was going to start a series on marriage, but I thought to myself, with Scott original coming, we're going to wait on that, and then we're going to start a series on marriage. So this is in common parlance, what is it's called an all-skate. Uh, and I was gone, uh, this is probably my 50th sermon in a row. Normally I preach about eight and get a break. So I'm going to do something I've, I've literally never done before. I'm going to preach a sermon from that I preached about two and a half years ago, uh, where a lot of you weren't here. And I looked back in my uh, you know, archives and said, if I was gonna pick one from uh, the last two and a half, three years, which would it be? And this is the one that I picked. So if you've heard it humor me, I've changed it around. Uh, and if you haven't been impacted and in awe from this uh, review of the sermon. Okay, so let me read it to you. Colossians 2, 6 through 15. and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raises him from the dead. And you who were dead in your transgresses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive with him Having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, fall is here and winter is a coming. I don't know if you woke up this morning or in the last couple mornings and there's a delightful chill in the air. I really like that crispness, you know, and enjoy it because very, very soon you will be wearing your parka and waiting for summer to come around. And you know, when winter is coming, it's time to prepare the house, right? Anybody get their grass seed down in time? I got my grass seed down right before the monsoon of five or six days. Brilliant timing, okay? My mark, my yard, right now it's beautiful. It looks like Augusta having a great time. Okay, but the leaves—they're starting to come, right? And you're having to, you know, put them off. And you know, I don't know if you have a pool, but we do. Okay, and nobody's swimming in it anymore. See, the way a pool works in the beginning is you grab your wallet and you throw a couple of dollars in it, and then as it keeps going, you start throwing more dollars and more dollars, and then your card. And by the end of it, you just throw your wallet in, take everything, take my Diners Club, take my kitties—I don't care, just. Shut down, so can't wait for the pool to be shut down. <laughs> You're always fixing your house. You know, I something happened a little while ago. I uh, was coming home from work, and I went to hit my garage door opener, and I pushed it, and nothing worked. And I thought to myself, that's kind of strange. It always works. Maybe it's a battery issue. So I pushed it again, pushed it again, much like the, the rats getting the pellet, and nothing came. And so I'm getting frustrated here, you know, you can't slow me down. So I went ahead and I got, you know, the the keypad right there, and I'm punching that, nothing's happening. And I put my ear to the door and I hear the hum of the garage door opener. It's running, but the door is not going up. I'm wondering what's going on. You know, and it struck me in that period of time, I thought, you know, that's a lot like the Christian life. I push the button and nothing happens. You know, I want to be this person that God has made me. I want to take advantage of these promises that God has given me. I want to engage in this Christian life. And yet, so often I push the button and nothing happens. You know, we see people all around us, these Bible saints, for instance, that we read about. Who live with courage and compassion and power. You may even know people around you. where you see this power of Christ emanating from them. But you push the button and... Nothing happens. See, we know that there's power. I know there's humming when I put my ear to the door. The question is, how does that humming (coughs) transmit itself into my life? This is what this passage is all about. This passage is all about how to apply the energy of the Christian life into my life. As Paul says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. Established in the faith, just as you were taught. Abounding in thanksgiving. The secret of this passage, if I were to sum it up, is simply this. To daily live the victorious life, we must daily depend on the victorious Christ. He is the power for salvation and victory. We're going to look at three things. How do we do that? How do we live this victorious life? Number one, we have to understand the victory we have already received in Christ. If you're a Christian, something has happened to you. The victory we've already received. Then number two, we're going to take a look at the daily victory we must achieve in Christ. There is a portion that we have to play. And then finally, number three, we must look at the counterfeits we must avoid in Christ. So the victory we've already received, the daily victory we must achieve, and the counterfeits we must avoid. Because the daily live of victorious life, we must daily depend on the victorious Christ. Well, let's take a look at this victory we've already received in Christ. The first clue we get to it is right at the beginning where it says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. See, a comparison is being made between what has happened and how you are to live now. And what exactly is it that has happened? When you look at verse 11 and beyond, you clearly see that something has happened that is not simply a changing of one's philosophy, a transaction with God, but rather a transformation of the whole person. Listen to verse 13. And you were dead in your uh, trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? You were dead in your trespasses. Not you were wounded, not you were hurt, But you were dead. Now, I don't know if you've seen all this stuff going on with zombies, you know? They're dead, they're not dead. How's that happening? They're invincible. I don't get it, frankly. Let's be honest, okay? If you take a shotgun, you're going down. I don't care if you're dead or alive, okay? I just made my comment there. But the point is, dead is dead. You're not walking. You know, if you go to a funeral and you see a body that's been prepared, they look beautiful. They're wearing beautiful clothes. But it doesn't matter what you look like. Dead is dead. And we see that you are dead in your trespasses. See, why are we dead? We're dead because of our sins against God. We've trespassed. Ever trespassed on anyone else's property? You don't belong there. We don't belong outside of the commands of God. And yet we have trespassed and it has caused our death. Everyone... has a death sentence on their head. And this death sentence, how is it cast out? How is it uh, 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 meted out? In the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now this word circumcision, we're somewhat familiar with it. it, comes from the Bible. If you remember Abraham, this person that God appeared to in Genesis, and he picked out of all of the people and he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a people after me because I love you. I've set my affection on you. And so I'm going to make you a holy people. You're going to be set apart, which is what holiness means. And the sign that you are different than everyone else, you are to circumcise your males, a symbol of who you are. Now we all know circumcision, and without getting too graphic, it's a removal of something. It's a removal of flesh, the place from which life springs. You are to bring life, not to bring death. But we see that we're dead in the uncircumcision of our flesh. And in the scripture, he's not talking about the muscle, the meat. He's talking about the attitude, the predisposition of our heart. The scriptures tell us that our heart is dead. And so much as this flesh needs to be removed in circumcision with Abraham to show who you are, there must be a circumcision of the heart. And so verse 11 says, this "In him also you were circumcised, with a circumcision not made, made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh, but by the circumcision of Christ. That what has happened to the Christian is this old, sinful nature, this old heart has been crucified. See, the cross is the knife by which circumcision of the heart occurs. See, the sinful nature was circumcised as hell. Having been buried, in verse 12, with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. See, the knife was Christ and the cross. When Christ died, you died. When Christ rose, you rose. To be a Christian means that your new life is inexorably tied To the living person of Jesus Christ. We've been buried with Him. And raised with Him. And we are alive because of Him. It is in Him and only in Him that it is possible that we may be brought from death to life. Our new life is in Christ. See, we tend to think that we believe something and a transaction has occurred where God gives us this blessing and this righteousness. Righteousness. God doesn't give us righteousness. He gives us Himself. When God, who joins Himself to us spiritually through dying with us, bringing us down, and yet bringing us up, keeping us safe through this process, all of the benefits that Jesus has obtained are imputed to us because we are united to Him. See, there's no me in Christianity. There's only we. We. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You, if you are a Christian, have been invaded by the presence of God, who has joined himself to you and gives you life. Apart from him, there is no life. There is no me, we, and Chris, me in Christianity. You cannot see yourselves apart anymore. There's no me, there's only we. Perhaps you've heard of we Hawkin, a New Jersey police captain, Michael Avaletta. used to visit his half-brother Vincent, infant brother, kind of be a big brother to him even though he was an adult. And as Vincent grew up, he took after his brother and he listened to the lessons that Michael had taught him and decided to join the New Jersey Police Department where Michael now was a captain. Well, Michael was in poor health because eight years before he had been diagnosed with a kidney disease. And his health continued to get worse and worse. In fact, he had just started on dialysis right before Vincent joined the force. Now, the kidney transplant list in New Jersey is about five to eight years. And a typical person with his condition will live about 10 to 11 years before his body gives out. And so Michael was in dire straits. But Vincent said, I want to be tested. I want to help you if I can. But Michael said, no, you're, you're a young kid. It's going it's to be a pain. There are risks associated. I don't want you to do it. But Vincent said, you either go with me or I'm going to go alone. And lo and behold, he went and it was a perfect match. They were only half-brothers, but it was enough. And so with Vincent's pleading, they underwent the surgery and it was successful. And six months later, the positive results were in, that both were alive. Luck was it that they had a perfect match, said Michael, God was looking out for us. Michael said of his brother's decision, it's unbelievable that he would step up and do this. It's such a selfless act. How do you repay someone who steps up like that? Vincent is just as appreciative of the opportunity. I felt great. It's amazing how by donating a body part to someone you love, that that they can get a whole new outlook on life. He can now go back to things the way they were before he was sick. Michael agrees. He gave me my life back. See, my friends, we had a problem. Our hearts were uncircumcised. They were diseased by our rebellion against God. We were in a prison, not an external one, but an internal one, a death sentence. But lo and behold, there is one who came, one like us, born in the flesh, who came to save us. And Christ, because He is a man, is a perfect match. And so Christ said, even without our permission, even without our agreement, that I will die with you. I will not only give you my kidney, I will give you my life. And I will bring you down into the depths of death, and I will raise you up again. Because I am the one who has power over death. See, Michael and Vincent, as brothers are tied together forever. Michael... In Vincent in Michael. Michael, in a way, in Vincent. And in the same way, Christ has joined himself to me. There is one, if you are a Christian, who is closer to you than your closest friend, your wife, anybody. One who knows you intimately. One who is there when no one else is. The one who sustains you and gives you life and victory. His name is Jesus Christ. There's no me in Christianity. There's only we. So how do you view Christianity? Is it something that happened back then? Or is it someone today? Was it a transaction or is it a transformation? You said the prayer on the dock in youth group. You punched the ticket and everything is fine. You know, Christianity is more than just a part of your life. Christ is your life. And so we no longer can view Christ as an abstraction. We can no longer marginalize or minimize our relationship with Him. We must recognize the indwelling presence of the Savior of God. The centrality of Him in your and my life. Because we are on life support. But oh, what a life we have. This should cause us to overflow with thankfulness. So Christ's presence, my friends, should always be our cognizance. As we step into our workplace, as we enter into our home, as we go to our kids' game, we go in the power and presence of Christ. Because there is no me in Christianity, there is only we. So there is a picture of the victory that we have received in Christ. Now we fast forward to the daily victory that we must achieve in Christ. Verse 6 makes more sense now. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See, this passage tells us something very important. How we have been saved is the way we are to live. See, we want to make this artificial distinction between what Christ has done and how we are to live now. Yeah, he did that for me. Salvation is by grace through faith. But it's time to put on your boots. He gave you the ball. Now it's time to run with it. It's on you. Work it out. Live a new life. But that's not what the scriptures say, does it? Just as you received him by faith, continue to walk in him. How? Rooted. Built up. Strengthened in the faith. He uses these beautiful pictures. The first one, an agrarian picture of rooted. Ever put a seed in the ground and wait? And all of a sudden, life starts to spring. You know, if you were to dig down there and see where this life is coming from, it's from the seed. The plant has been rooted firmly into the seed. And is growing up. You saying, you've been rooted in Christ, so live in Him. Deriving your identity, your energy, everything from Him. Rooted in Him and built up a construction term. In the Greek, literally, to build upon a foundation. This foundation of life in Christ has been built. So as we live out this life, the decisions that we make, the thoughts that we have, the conversations that we speak, built up on the foundation of Christ established in the faith this is not something that's supposed to happen part of the time it's not supposed to happen just on Sunday we are established in Christ it is who we are growing up to be abounding in thanksgiving what a beautiful picture abounding with what God has done what God is doing what God will do Christians should be the happiest people in the world and also the most challenged people in the world, striving to take hold of that from which Christ took hold of us. This isn't easy. But Jesus said, take heart, in this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. As Jesus took preeminent position in our lives as the one who raised us from the power of death, Jesus must take preeminent position in the one who raises us over the power of sin. To daily live the victorious life, we must daily depend on the victorious Christ. See, you and I both know when we get to our heart of hearts that we need a power to live that we don't have on our own. You know, how are we going to love unlovable people? There are unlovable people out there. I know, probably you're like, oh, that's astounding, Carlos. How are we going to walk with integrity when everybody's going that way and we know we're supposed to go that way? How are we going to achieve victory over the secret sins in our life that nobody knows about except for you? How am I going to start loving my wife when frankly I don't even like her right now? How am I going to stop being a workaholic? How am I going to live this victorious life? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Trusting him for preeminence in salvation and preeminence in sanctification. Well, let's get back to my garage door, okay? That's, That's really what you're wondering. I was running the garage door, right? Garage door's not working. I'm pushing the button; it's giving its hum. You know, so I walk in the side door, and you know, there's this spaghetti string everywhere. That silver, you know, the, the line that rolls the thing up. And I'm going, you know, geez, you know, I got to get the door open though, because we got to get the kids to lacrosse practice. So I do what I've always done: you you click the lever to ma- take it to manual and I go to lift this door like it weighs nothing and it doesn't go anywhere. It's just, no. (laughs) And I'm kinda surprised, you know? You lift the door, you touch the door, maybe a little thing and the thing just goes up. No, no, no. So now, now I'm really mad, okay? Wait a second. You can't stop me, you know? So I get down, lift this door, feel maybe a tremor, down, okay? Sumo wrestling, it doesn't matter what I do, I cannot get this door up, which weighs about 400 pounds. Now I could try harder, I could exercise positive thinking, I could kick the door, I'm not saying I did, but I could kick the door. Or I could call a repairman, because truth be told, that door weighs 400 pounds, and I can't get it up. See, the real way that the garage door works, it's the spring, Isn't it at the top? The energy is in the spring. And so when the motor pulls, all it does is get the thing going and the spring does the rest of the work. Or if I manually do it. See, there's no spring. My spring has sprung. And so I need a replacement to raise this door. And so the replacement guy comes out. Oh, yeah, it's for spring, you know, because uh, 280 bucks later, we're back in business. Okay, now I could use this hard-earned effort and go push the button, or I could get my hands down on this locked door and try to pull it up. Which would you do? God has given us a new life in Christ, a new power that is far beyond our power. And our effort is simply this, as you have received him as Lord, walk in him. The the Greek is a participle, it literally means as you're walking in him. Walking throughout life, walking from one place to another. You know, life is what happens when you're walking from one place to another, isn't it? Rooted and built up in him. See, the question is not whether the power exists in the Christian life not the question the power is are you going to use it so where is the source of your life Christian where is the source of your strength <coughs> where's the battery where when you push the button are you counting on to lift the door you may say to yourself Carlos that's that's all neat and good but you know I'm in the prime of my life I'm a strong person I've built my career I'm healthy. I've been able to always accomplish what needs to be done. I can lift that 400-pound door. And you might be able to. But what happens when the 600-pound door comes your way? When you get the pink slip, or the phone call from your girlfriend, or the doctor says, Hey, come on in, I want to talk with you about some stuff. You know, the more I live on this earth, the more I realize that there are a host of things that I cannot control and handle on my own. And so what we do, if we do not embrace the power of Christ, is we live small lives. I can't change. We become impatient. We become cynical. We never reach out. We never love recklessly. Because all that we have is ourselves. And we never walk by faith. Because faith requires a God who can lift a 10,000-pound door. And for many of you right now, the troubles and cares of the world are literally crushing you. Because you're living solely by your own strength. But Christ says, as I have raised you from the dead, I will raise you to life. To daily live the victorious life, we must depend on the victorious Christ. Every day... Every hour, every minute, we have to make a decision. By whom shall I walk? By Christ or someone else? When you seek to love your husband and it's hard and things aren't going smooth and that door is too heavy, look to Christ and walk by faith. When you're at work and a conversation starts and it's coming around to you and you've got something to say, look to Christ. See, you can't, but he can't. And he's in you, and you're in him. You won't, but he will. And you are in him, and he is in you. You don't even want to, but he wants to. And you are in him, and he is in you. The question is not whether the power exists. The question is whether we are willing to use it. This brings me to my final point, the counterfeits we must avoid in Christ. and said the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. You know, if you want to live a victorious Christian life, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to fight for it. The Christian life isn't difficult. The Christian life is impossible. It's not easy. We have to fight for it. We see in this passage, Paul saying so, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit According to human tradition, according to the eternal elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. He's saying as you walk through this landmine that we live in, there are all sorts of turnoffs that threaten to envelop you, to pull you away from the one who gives you the strength to live. They're deceitful, they're deceptive, they sound right, they even look right, but they're based on human tradition. They're based on established philosophy. They're even based on the elemental spirits of the world. A spiritual demonic powers. This thing is much bigger than we know, and they take us captive. Here may be some of the ones that you've been experiencing. Maybe you're under the power of right now. Number one, man is the measure. The Enlightenment Protagoras in the 4th century DC said, you know, that man is at the center of the universe. Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am. I'm in the center. I'm in charge of the universe. This is the guy that says he can lift the door. If that's you, you're in trouble, my friends. It doesn't work. Man is the measure. How about this other philosophy? If it feels good, do it. Fantastic philosophy, right? Hedonism. Have a good time all the time. Don't worry about this other walking by faith, living the struggle. Forget that. Just relax, enjoy more TV, more food, more for the senses. Pleasure is the principle. How about this one? Number three, he who dies with the most toys wins. And so the game is acquire and acquire and build up the stores and keep up with the Joneses because that's what the world says is success and fulfillment. This one's my favorite. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Who came up with that one? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's your philosophy, it's my philosophy, and they're all right. You know, that's ridiculous. Postmodernism is just plain dumb. And yet we live in that way. That there's no truth, and that's the truth. It'll shipwreck us. You see, if we live by these philosophies, there are consequences. If man is the measure, you are crushed when you don't measure up. If hedonism is your law, it will wreck your body and your relationships and your heart. If materialism is your philosophy, you will leave disappointed no matter how much material you have acquired. If postmodernism is your philosophy, then you will live in this world dejected, suicidal, and contemplate a world in which there's no right or wrong. There's only preference. It may look good, but the consequences are devastating. I don't know if you heard the story in Tennessee about this guy, Daniel Ray Stewart. He was found in the emergency room, posing as a visiting uh, visiting resident in training. This guy shows up in the operating room, and he's around for three weeks wearing a coat, looks like a doctor, you know. Then all of a sudden, someone sees he doesn't have a tag. You know, who are you? And he says, "I'm I'm I'm in the Army National Guard. I'm on sick leave. I went to medical school at the University of Tennessee. And so for the last three weeks, he's been doing three to six calls a day. Stewart said, my job is to observe and be a helping hand if needed and to further medical assessment. ABC News checked in with the University of Tennessee. They don't have any record of this guy. He looked like a doctor, acted like a doctor, gave advice like a doctor. If you and I had seen him, we might have thought he was a doctor. See, so he's only a trained eye that can see the real thing from an imposter. And so if you wanna live the victorious Christian life, you're gonna to have to fight for it. It's a misnomer that the Christian life is easy. Let go and let God. We have a part to play. So just as you receive Christ as Lord, It says, uh, walking in, rooted and built up in the faith, established just as you were taught. Notice that. Established, not in faith, established in the faith, just as you were taught. See, there's one faith. There's one truth. How do we know truth from error? How do we know how we are to walk? It's by the scriptures that God has given us. We have a roadmap of how we are to live, a path. And we have the power to live it in Jesus Christ. And so we must know the word. We must be about the book. You must be a part. That's why we're here. I'm a teacher. I'm a preacher. I'm a coach. My job is to help coach you up. Your job is to help as to go live it out. Vince Lombardi put it very simple. The will to win is nothing compared to the will to prepare to win. And so every day... We must focus on two things. You want to be mature in Christ? It's very simple. You only got to master two things. My date book and my checkbook. How I spend my time. How I spend my money. Because they reveal to me who really is my Savior. And so, we must examine the philosophies in our life. We must be ruthless in the way that we deal with them. How serious, this is my final thought, how serious are you about the victorious Christian life? Is it casual in your Christianity? Or do you want to experience what it means to walk with a power far beyond your own? In the presence of a risen Savior. That's living. Everything else is just marking time. And so walk in dependence. Give up trust in yourself and look to Christ. As we have been saved, so we shall live. Walk in dependence and walk in vigilance every day, watching, scanning, these competing philosophies, knowing the word, being strengthened by it, watching your life and your doctrine closely, getting around other people who can come alongside you and help you. Because Christianity is not a solo sport. You're not gonna make it if you're alone. And so the secret has been revealed. It's not a technique, it's not a prescription, it's not a position, it's not a principle, it's a person. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing your faith To daily live the victorious Christian life, you must daily depend on the victorious Christ. That is the secret to victory. Lord, we called and you answered. And you gave us life. And you came into us. You raised us spiritually from the dead, and you will raise us physically from the dead at the coming of your kingdom. But Lord, you give us a power and a presence that allows us to live in a way unlike the way that we live now, in the way that we're supposed to live, even feebly in this world. Lord, let our Christianity not be casual. Let us set our hope on what you've done in the gospel and what you promised to do as we walk out the gospel. Lord, I pray that this church would be filled with spirit-filled Christians pulling together, Lord, that the flame might burn brighter than just one log burning apart. Guide us, Lord, and show us victory. The victory is in you. All of this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.